Good morning, Jerry. Paul, good morning. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. So uh, jumping in, and it's really interesting, uh, the build uh, this week from last week, mm-hmm. um, la- last week being improve the lives around you, and then this week being foster potential. I'll just give you a quick little definition, but um, it says improving the lives of people around you also means helping them become better individuals. Help other people grow by encouraging and fostering their potential, both professionally and personally, and help them learn from your experiences. And there's a quote that says, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. So how has fostered, foster potential resonated with you this week? So it is interesting how this one builds really tightly on top of last week's topic. Um, Mm-hmm. and how closely it's related. So uh, as you know, I always like to just for inspiration. Think. And uh, mm-hmm. it was interesting to me that one of the definitions for foster was to give parental care. Parental care. How much closer can the care be than parental care? Mm-hmm. And of course, another one is to promote growth or development. And uh, probably what I found even more interesting was that uh, Miriam Webster lists um, antonyms for these words and antonyms for potential were actual, existent, factual, and real. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that would almost make you think that potential is like not real, right? Not factual, not existent, not actual. Huh. And I suppose in some ways that's true, isn't it? Because we, when we see potential in someone, what we actually see is is that there's possibly they're going, they can't, they may be able to do something. They may be able to grow into something. We may be able to do this in the future, but currently we can't. And how do we feed that? Right. So to go with foster, how do we give care to that and promote the, the blossoming, if you will, of something that um, isn't there right now. Mm -hmm. So fostering potential is the investment of, energy and time to help promote the growth of someone's potential future, whether it be professional or personal. So that's um, good. Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. The first word that popped into my mind was investment. When I read foster potential investment popped in my mind because I think because I look at to foster potential, you have to be ready to invest time, energy, and resources uh, into that person. Mm-hmm. I'm making notes of that. That's good. And the fact that Time it's difficult it. to do it on a surface level, right? You can't do it on a shallow way, especially if you want to invest in someone's per- potential personally. Kind of like we talked last week, you, you got to get to know them. Yeah. That's fascinating because the one of the the challenges for leaders in the residential trades that are friends is they're getting stuff done like their their work um, as a technician um, their task is to get stuff done and as a leader one of the tasks is to if I say get stuff done as it relates to those in your charge it sounds condescending but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't 
you can't do it in a shallow way. Like you've got to spend time getting to know Joe or Sue. And if you can kind of multitask and get stuff done while you're getting to know them on a job site or something, that certainly helps. But um, it doesn't seem to be, there's not many shortcuts around um, spending the time, energy, and resources to get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And really get to know them. Right. I'm, I'm around my office. I'm famous for saying conversation is not communication. Simply mm-hmm. because we're conversing doesn't mean we're actually exchanging information. We're not exchanging useful data or, or, uh, you know, information about ourselves or others. So it's, it, it, it's in some way intentionally getting to know people on a level that you mm-hmm. actually know enough to, to know them personally and to be able to help, to know what they actually so want. You, yeah, when you're saying that, I wrote the word vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, empathy. You know, those are, um, those are definitely, you know, soft skills um, down that path of soft skills and relational intelligence and, you know, vulnerability and empathy seem to be really critical to get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. And so to, once I get to know you, because I've spent time with you, I've invested energy and resources um, and I've been vulnerable, right. Or empathetic or transparent. Transparency might be another word. Um, then I can start to foster potential in you because I know you better. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, how a lot of times the best, what's what's that old saying, the shortest path from one point to another is a straight line. Yeah. And sometimes in cases like this, it can be just ask. Mm -hmm. What are your your aspirations personally? What are your aspirations professionally? What would you like to, what do you think you're good at? What would you like to be better Mm -hmm. at? Just ask. And it's, it's, uh, Funny how often you find out no one ever just asked that those questions. People go, well, gosh, no yeah. one's ever asked me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you said that because Art uh, Dierks, who you and I have known for a lot of years, he, um, he shared this morning that he said um, one of the things that he asked those in his charge, um, once he feels like he's built trust with them, going, to your, going back to your point, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he asked them, where, you know, where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing in five years? Um, what do you see yourself doing in five years and why, you know, and just to have that to your point of asking that question, Hey, Joe, um, as I've gotten to know you and I see, you know, things that you're certainly really good at, and we're certainly glad you're on our team. Um, looking to your future, what do you want to be doing in five years? You're asking that question. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the follow-up question is why, you know, why do you, why is, why is that something that's important to you? Um, that could really be helpful. Yeah. And the why is, is really important and not just because they won't have the passion to pursue it if they don't have a strong why, but I think too often there are people who want to do, you know, I want to move from where I am to this other job. And it's because that other job they believe holds some prestige. 
you know, like I want to, a, a guy who's a carpenter wants to be a project manager. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, it's more money mm -hmm. and I'm more mm -hmm. respected because uh, I'm a project manager rather than a lead carpenter. And mm -hmm. the, the difficulty is those who have made that jump understand that it's a whole different world. It's a different skill set. It's a different feel. It's a different, uh, it's a different job altogether. And someone who's very happy and satisfied and rewarded as a lead carpenter may not find that being a project manager is any fun, frankly. And, right. and they want the job simply because of the prestige or the respect they think they'll get if they have it, uh, mm -hmm. rather than having a passion for what the job actually takes to do. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're all guilty of that, right? Everybody wants to make more money. So what path can I take to make more money? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And as a leader for you to, you know, one of the, one of the responsibilities of leaders is vision. And so for you to um, engage your guys, those in your charge and help understand what their vision is. And hopefully as we've used metaphors of getting on the bus and going to the same destination, um, that their vision for their future is on the same path that your vision is for your company. And then you can you can foster that uh, potential as you're moving um, towards the destination that you both you know you're, you're moving towards Columbus right. as an example. And you could argue that the greatest care that you could take for a person could be at the realization where you figure out that they actually want to go to Nashville, not Columbus. Mm -hmm. And you say, you know what, I'm going to help you get off my bus and get onto the right bus. Yes, because uh, one, of, one of the things I think that probably is at play for a lot of people is they fear an ulterior motive. So if you're in a leadership position and you go to someone and say, where would you like to be? Hey, how about if yeah. I help you increase your ability to do X or Y? You know, they may be wondering, what, and this goes to your trust comment, but they may be wondering, why do you want me to get good at that? What do you get out of this? Which mm -hmm. is a legitimate question. Uh, but, how you know, how... The hardest decision to make, but probably the most selfless decision you can make is when you realize that they are on the wrong bus and you just say, hey, I, I realize that you're here, but here isn't what's really right for you over there is what's really right for you. Let me help you get there because mm -hmm. there's certainly not any self-interest. Well, I guess, I guess on some level there is because if someone's not the right team member on your bus, then you should get them off. Yeah. Uh, but for their sake mostly they should they should leave you know we i recently let a guy go from our team not because he was a bad guy but because i knew the job he wanted and the way he wanted to pursue wasn't the job we had for him and within a week he had the job he really wants with another company and that wow. made me so happy to yeah. know that uh, by making that hard decision it gave him the opportunity to go do what he truly wanted to do anyway and uh, so that it's a tough choice to make because he was a great guy, is a great guy, family man. Yeah. His wife had a baby while she was, while he was working for us. We all participated in, you know, celebrating the birth of his first child and all that. So it's tough to make yeah. those decisions. But I, I know now he's happier because he's mm -hmm. in the job that he truly want, wants to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's yeah that's the greater good that you're uh, as a leader that you're. Um, that you're after. And uh, I was talking to, again, the guys this morning is that, you know, you being 
you doing the right thing as a leader um, to be known as somebody that is fostering potential in others, even if you make bad decisions and people leave um, under you know bad circumstances or they leave under good circumstances, um, you stay the course as far as your uh, brand of being uh, developing, being known as somebody that develops other people. Like, okay. like you, you from a from a leadership standpoint, that's a good piece of your brand mm-hmm. is that you are somebody that uh, fosters growth in other people. That's a really important. I find that to be a very important leadership skill. Mm-hmm. It's a tough thing to always keep present is to keep the keep the idea in mind that you live in a world of abundance and not a world of scarcity yes sort of hold on to the faith that if you do what's if you do what's good for all those around you what's good for you is just going to happen Uh, and that almost sounds dreamy right (laughs) right like you yeah it sounds like a great rah-rah statement paul yeah but it's my experience has been that it is true that if you just do the right thing, what's that Martin Luther King said, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Yes. But do the right thing and help the people around you and good things are going to happen to you. And to, to the quote at the beginning, don't judge by the harvest, but the seed you plant. And the harvest is going to happen, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. um, Bill Walsh, the legendary head coach of the 49ers. I don't like the 49ers, but <laughs> a, mm-hmm. he wrote yeah. a book called the score takes care of itself and sort of the premise you know do do the right thing and the score will take care of itself and that kind of i think rings true in this case as well when you're trying to foster potential in others help others yeah. reach their goals and you're gonna your your goals are gonna get reached as well yeah and well and one of the pieces that i has been top of mind for me paul is that within the um within our, our peer group of leaders um, is one of the, one of the, um, one of the elements to that is how much, how, what a great opportunity there is for people like you and I, um, and, and you, you did a good job, I think with your presentation um, last Thursday, you, you've got a captive audience of other leaders that you're um, investing in and um, that you're, you're giving wisdom and insight um, and time, to your point, time, energy, and resources to other leaders and owners in the trades um, because of your uh, viewpoint of an abundance mentality. So you could have looked at a bunch of the leaders and owners in that room last Thursday as competition, which I think some of the guys might have. And yet you're looking at them as, as peers that you're um, investing your, your, your time, talent, and treasure in them to help foster their potential. And I, I find that I'm finding that a lot of leaders would agree that, <clears throat> excuse me, they need to be more intentional. I need to be more intentional with my staff or my subs to foster their potential. And I think I need to do the exact same thing horizontally with peers that I think that's really an important 
piece is you get to know, as I get to know other leaders, is to foster that potential in other leaders. Um, and we don't get that a lot. I was just before this call, I was at a round table. And as I'm looking around this, this round table, I'm, and I said to these guys, there's not, there's probably not many people in your life that are um, giving you, you're know, fostering your potential. Like you're given to everybody else, but who's given to you? And I find that, I find that, um, you know, leaders project, like we're trained to project confidence because who would hire you to do your remodeling project if you didn't look like you were confident? Well, one of the challenges with leaders that project confidence is other people, other leaders think they don't need to the encouragement or to, to, to engage them in fostering their potential because they're already leaders. And I find that to be a huge opportunity for us. Yeah, and I think self-care, for, for many small business owners, self-care equals weakness. If we, if we admit and acknowledge that we need some self-care, then we feel like we're being soft or weak. Sure. And so that's a, that can be a barrier as well. And, and meetings like the one last Thursday, uh, you know, organizations like Nary and, and KBA, there's such great opportunities to do some self-care and sharpen the saw, so to speak, for the leaders of these businesses. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the one we did Thursday because I heard as many people talking about how this material was going to benefit them in personal conversations as much as it was in professional conversations. And as you know, I take umbrage with the idea of work-life balance because we just have a life and work is part of that life. Yes. And so the opportunity to influence and, and foster potential in people, both professionally and personally with that topic matter is uh, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a gift really. It's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. What Eric, Eric Ross said this morning that one of the guys, one of the other leaders said to him uh, a couple of years ago, something in the effect of, you know, it, it didn't matter what situation I was, you know, there's a personal situation, with my wife or my kids or coworkers or uh, an employee um, or a client, sorry, is I take myself with me everywhere I go. So if I work on developing myself, fostering my own growth and development, um, then I'm going to take a better version of myself into each of those relationships. Mm, that's so true. Which is yeah. a profound reminder. Yeah. Yeah. My lovely wife and I, ever since we were married, even when our kids were little, we took what we always called our marriage maintenance trip. Once a year, we took a trip where it's just the two of us, even when our kids were really, really young. Yeah. And because I told her, I'm a firm believer that the best thing that parents can do for their children is provide a strong, stable marriage. Yeah. And foundation for the kids. And, you know, we do that for our for our teams as owners and leaders of businesses. The best thing we can do is provide for them a good, strong leadership core and frankly, a stable and profitable business for everyone to work in. Mm -hmm. So that that self-care, that it's the old Abe Lincoln thing, right? If I have an hour to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend 45 minutes sharpening my saw, 15 minutes cutting down the tree. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we don't pause long enough as um, business owners and managers and leaders to uh, do the self-care it takes to actually prepare ourselves to take on the challenges that we have to take on. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think I don't remember the exact quote. Billy Graham was quoted as saying, you know, that 
he gets up every morning or, he, you know, he obviously has passed on, but he used to get up every morning and pray for an hour. And he's, if he had a really stressful day or a really busy day, he'd get up and pray for two hours. <laughs> so <laughs> you, he, you hear stuff like that and you just kind of chuckle and, um, and it's so easy to discount that, you know, if you look at fostering the potential in yourself, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, the, that metaphor, put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on uh, mm-hmm. the person next to you. And so to your point, Paul, it's, um, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a crazy badge of honor to say that I don't need that, or I don't want that, or I don't have time. I don't have time for myself is um, probably something that I've said and believed um, for a lot of years. And it's just simply a lie. That's, that's simply not true. And it's simply not healthy for me to, to have that point of view. So as yeah. we're, as, as we're ranting about this, I'm thinking, gosh, that really is important to foster your own potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I talk about self care and not, taking the time to uh, take self-care. I'm a little convicted even by my, my own words yeah. as somebody yeah. who tends to kind of run at full bore as much as I can. <laughs> well, it's just not, it's just not socially accepted. You know, you've got a, uh, you're pretty close to the level and bike trail. And so for you to, for you to jump on your bike today and say, Hey, you know what? I need to process. There's three or four things in my personal life, or there's three or four things in business. And I just need to, detach from the office and I need to go clear my head and think and um, most leaders wouldn't most leaders wouldn't do that right most mm-hmm. leaders wouldn't wouldn't take the time for self-care or strategic thinking like that and if they would do it because they value it and they realize how important that is for them to speak that publicly would be incredibly risky for them, right? For being judged as you're not working. Like when you're thinking, you're not working. Right. When you're processing, you're not working. And as a leader, that's, 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 that's a lie. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's very true. And, and most people would kind of look at that and go, well, it must be nice to have so much free time to go bike on the trail. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. It, yeah, it is. And the beauty of it is, is you can feed both. You can feed both at the same time. You can feed your, your uh, self and also have space to think about and solve bigger problems, bigger issues. So the yeah. reason, you know, the old joke that this hit me while I was in the shower. Well, it's because it's hard to have your iPhone or your laptop in the shower with you. So your brain actually starts to have space to think while you're in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That is really good. So one of the other things in the quote there was that about not judging the harvest by, but judge the seeds you plant. What struck as being a real goal oriented sort of metrics driven kind of guy, I'll admit that my reaction to that was, well, at some point, don't I get to, I say get to, wouldn't you, wouldn't we judge to some degree the results of our efforts to foster potential? Uh, our harvest would be an indicator at least, wouldn't it? Of, yeah. Of whether or not we're doing that effectively. Yeah. And I think that's where the balance comes in, you know, as you, as you kind of fixate on topics for the week, 
um, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater type thing. Mm -hmm. So there's still, there's still KPIs that we look at every day that are really critical. Um, and yet some of the pieces, especially when you're talking about the, the personal side of it, um, is very difficult to measure. So, you know, uh, whether whether your guys think that you're a kind, ca compassionate, caring leader or not is really difficult to measure. So I, I would say that my responsibility there is to simply invest. Um, mm -hmm. th th that seems to be that that seems to be a, a, a healthy place to invest um, where it's going to be very difficult for you to measure. And again, for the point um is to, to is to try to strike a balance there where mm -hmm. um you know everything's not uh, er, it, it's not important to measure everything all the time and right. so this is right. the the way that i'm reading this is you know that sometimes it's important to just be present um mm -hmm. and just let your guys know you're present and you were talking about investment of time energy and resources um yeah, I think it's I think it's really important to 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 take time to be present where if you are type A and you're measuring things and you're trying to get things done and your self-worth, your identity is tied up in that, that, that can become incredibly exhausting for everybody around you mm -hmm. because they can't talk to you about just having lunch. You know, my, my kids used to say to me, is everything got to be a coaching, you know, every, is it? <laughs> Is there, does every experience have to be uh, a lesson? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think if, if that's, if that's who I am, then the kids aren't going to want to detach from whatever stresses they have and just hang out with dad because right. it's, it's, it's going to create more stress. So. Well, it's just like, you know, running or biking or going to the gym, the rest times are just as important as the workout times. That's a really good reminder. Yes. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard for us in a, in a world where we're, you know, our society in general and here in the United States seems to be that we reward workaholic approach yeah. to what we do. You know, if you're yeah. putting, yeah. like you said, it's a badge of honor to say I work 80 hours in a week. And from my perspective today, and I'm not saying I never work an 80 hour week, but from my perspective today, that's actually, uh, I think we're sacrificing on some very important part of who we are mm -hmm. by doing that. Yeah. And there's certainly seasons of your life or startups that, you know, you're, you, you're given every, whatever you got, you're, you're plowing it in mm -hmm. time, talent, time, talent, and treasures. Sure. Um, and yet you can't go through life at a sprint. You, know, you can sprint, but to your point, you got to take time to catch your breath and, I've seen training, uh, you've, you've done different training events, you know, running, biking, et cetera. And that, you know, you look at the schedule and it's got clearly defined rest days that there's, there's days that you got to give the body time to rest. And I think that's consistent with what we're sharing. You know, what we're talking about today is mm -hmm. for you to, for you, for you to foster the potential in yourself, um, then you need to have capacity for it. You got to have some energy. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, as, as you go ahead, mm -hmm. I was just going to say, and then, you know, the other piece of that is not to judge your, you know, like do the right thing, like go for a bike ride and think and process and don't hold that 
activity up to some kind of weird measurement, right. you know? Right. For, right. Forgive your, give yourself the space to be allowed to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Well, I was just going to sort of slightly going along the idea of fostering potential is um, I just noticed a note I jotted down as I was thinking about this earlier was, uh, have you ever run into someone who seems like they have potential to do something, but they don't necessarily even like or want to do that thing mm. yeah give me a give me a for instance uh gosh so it could be anything maybe someone has the maybe someone's in one job you see that they have the potential or you believe they have the potential to be good at another job but that job isn't what they want for whatever reason yeah you know, how do you approach yeah. that? How do you help them? I, I, I suppose the short answer is you can't. If someone doesn't want to do it, then it's then it's by definition then probably the wrong job for them. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to what Art said this morning is you ask them where they want to be in five years. And if they say, hey, I want to be doing exactly what I'm doing, getting the exact same results that I'm getting, you know, then they're they're an Indian that that um, you probably have room on in your in your tribe for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what comes to mind for me is I've, I've talked with a lot of business owners who, after working with them a little while, you start to figure out they probably don't belong as business owners. What they really want to do is exercise their craft. Mm. Uh, they really don't want to be a business owner. They took on business right. ownership because it seemed like a good idea or they, you know, as, as per the E-Myth book, they had an entrepreneurial seizure. They thought, I can do this work. I'll have a business that does this work. And they're stressed out. They're overwhelmed. They're miserable because they started this business. And to try to say to them, hey, really, you ought to not be in this business. You should really, you know, get go to work with someone who actually enjoys running a business and is good at it. It'll give you the freedom. The trouble is, I don't think they see it as freedom at that point but to give you the freedom to actually just go exercise the craft that you love doing mm -hmm. and you're going to be much, much happier in doing it. And so that's, that those are tough conversations, right? When you see someone battling to do something because that's it's good. Just something they think they ought to do and really they shouldn't be doing it. I talked with a doctor recently who had started a clinic and the clinic was just killing her, just killing her. And she loved being a doctor. She loved, was passionate about treating her patients. <coughs> but owning a clinic was killing her. She's like, I don't want to do this. I just want to treat patients. Yes. And I have so much respect for her and her passion for caring for her patients. But it's like, then, you know, go to work somewhere else. Don't own a clinic. Go, yeah. go do what you're so gifted at doing. And uh, that's tough. That is tough. And I wrote, as you, you're saying that, I, I wrote it down a little bit different, but some people don't want to do the work of the owner. Like they, there's, there's work that is, that an owner is responsible for. And you and I would, would probably share that, you know, the vision is one of the pieces, but, but a lot of, a lot of the work of the owner is work that a lot of our friends might tolerate or hate. And the actual work they enjoy is the work of a craftsman. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's powerful. And so to yeah. foster that, foster that potential in them to say that's, that's admirable. Um, it's not admirable in my opinion, to do something that you hate doing because you think other people, um, 
you know, have a certain image of you. Yeah, it's not admirable to, to, to stick it out when you hate it and it's having an ill effect on your family and friends and coworkers. It's not yeah. admirable to, to stick with it. So to foster that potential um, in, in what you actually, what gives you life, that's a good, that, that's good mm-hmm. stuff. That's yeah. a good stopping. That's a good stopping point for me today, Bowser. Excellent. Good as always. Have a great yeah, day. Great. You do the same. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye.